Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Well, hello, Real Life Church. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. I wanted to say thank you today for being such a generous congregation. Uh, You have blessed your church in a way that allows us to bless other people. As many of you know already, we have a Japanese congregation that's been nesting at our church. Uh, They were uh, asked to leave the property they were at in Pasadena during the pandemic. They didn't have a place to meet, uh, and so we took them in. We haven't charged them anything. We've just given given them a space uh, to hold their worship services. Uh, And as you know, they, they meet here twice a month because half their congregation is in San Diego, and they drive back and forth. Uh, everybody, two weeks out of the month, drives a couple of hours to get to church, if you can imagine it. There are only about 190 Japanese congregations in the United States, and only a very tiny percentage of Japan itself is Christian. So we have kind of an amazing sacred honor to uh, allow them to have a space in which to worship here. And I'm so thankful that we get to do that, and I thank you for your generosity that allows us to do that for other people. Remember when we were, we were a tiny little congregation meeting in a gymnasium a few years ago, and other people have blessed us, and that sets us free to bless others. So thank you for your, your graciousness in allowing that. Oh, and I should tell you, the leaders of the Japanese congregation have started referring to me as, as Jim Sensei. And uh, when I told the real-life staff that, uh, every single one of them said, we are never going to call you that. And so that's, uh, that's just the latest, up news, <laughs> latest news update from what's going on behind the scenes here at Real Life. Uh, but there you go. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, I, love, I love that we get to do that together. Uh, we're in the middle of a new series now called, actually it's not even that new anymore. We're in the middle of a series now called uh, Know What I Like About Jesus. And each week we're looking at different elements of the character or ministry or teachings of Jesus and talking about the things that we find most compelling or interesting or attractive uh, about who he is. And we're going to do that again today. Today, uh, you know what I like about Jesus? Uh, I like the fact that in Jesus, I see a combination of love and power that I don't see anywhere else in the world. Uh, And I'll tell you what I mean. Imagine modern medicine. Um, It's like this. Modern medicine is extremely powerful. It can do all kinds of things that even a hundred years ago, medicine could not do. And there are doctors and nurses out there that are very compassionate, very loving people, people who have gone into a profession to help care for others in amazing ways. There's a lot of power in modern medicine and a lot of love among modern medical personnel. But now, imagine this. Imagine tomorrow they came up with a foolproof cure for cancer and could just eliminate it. Would that be just given out for free? Would no one take credit for having come up with it? Would the insurance companies just waive all expenses and the hospitals just distribute it at no cost? Would, would everybody just get that free of charge? See, for, even for all the, the, the power and the compassion I see in modern medicine, 
it doesn't rival the power and love that I see in Jesus. There's a kind of power and love that I see in the doctor of our souls, Jesus Christ, that I just don't see anywhere else in the world. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to read stories about Jesus' healing miracles. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that you empower us. And I thank you that you walked this earth so that we could know you and be in relationship with you and see who you are, see your heart for us. So today, open our hearts and our minds and help us to feel your love and to witness your power and, and to go out into the world to share it. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Okay. Um, Here's what it was like to be around Jesus in the first century world. Here's how an invitation to go and see Jesus would have sounded in the first century world. Hey, Jesus just went and healed somebody. He did what? He put his hands on this paralytic guy, a guy who had never walked before, and he stood up and he just walked away and he goes, no way, way. I gotta see this, where is he? Come on, let me go show you. Okay, that was invitations to see Jesus in the first century world, filled with love and power. Here's how we do invitations in modern American Christianity. Hey, our um, church is having a book study, and uh, there's some pretty good snacks, and uh, you should come. I'm kind of busy. Well, the people there are nice. You, you might like it. What's the book? Uh, it's just the Bible. We just studied the Bible. Oh, yeah, I'm, re I'm really, I am busy. I just, I'm so busy. If you got hit by a bus today, would you go to heaven or hell? Oh, geez. Okay, uh, I, I, are the snacks free at least? No, you should come. Uh, things have changed a lot. And, and the way some of us at least do invitations in our day don't sound a lot like what was going on in the first century world. Here's how Jesus talked to the sick and the injured in his day. I am willing, be clean. And the leprosy left the man. Take up your mat and go home. So he got up and walked away. Stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand and it was healed. Here's how the disciples of Jesus, after Jesus ascended into heaven, here's how the disciples of Jesus talked to the sick and the injured. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I will give you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And the paralytic stood up and walked. And even at the very end of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 28, Paul goes to a city and heals all the sick. Here's how we talk to the sick and the injured today. Here's how we pray for the sick and the injured today. Lord, please help Bob to be patient in his suffering, which obviously no one is going to do anything about. Guide the doctor's hands, because if Bob has a snowball's chance, it's going to come from science. Thank you, Lord, for Bob's insurance policy. Amen. Hey, Bob, in the meantime, while you wait for your medical care, we have a book study at the church with some nice snacks. Would you like to come? Something's a little bit different there. Something has, has changed. Look at the way Jesus went about healing in his day. Open it in your Bible to Mark chapter 1 at verse 29. Uh, I love Mark chapter 1. Because Mark chapter 1 is a day in the life of Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus did day in and day out, 
Read Mark chapter 1. It covers a lot of territory, and it summarizes a lot. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 1 at verse 29. Listen to the word of God. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. These are disciples of Jesus. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. Why did they tell Jesus about her? Because they believed he had power enough to do something about her sickness and love enough to want to do it. So he went to her, took, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. What just happened? Jesus just healed someone. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Healing people apparently is like eating Pringles. Bet you can't do just one. Because once Jesus gets a reputation for healing people, people just line up to be healed. Uh, who wouldn't? And as a result of that, Jesus is about to be mobbed. He tells the demons not to share who he is because he's trying to get about the business of his ministry. It goes on in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, when they found Jesus, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. With a line of people waiting to be healed, Jesus loses privacy. He loses the freedom of privacy. This will attract conflict and it will attract crowds. The conflict will ultimately lead to his death. The crowds will take away his private time in prayer with the Father. He tells the demons, don't tell anyone who I am. Uh, he goes around healing people and says, don't tell people what just happened. And I think that's because the private time that he has in prayer, the private time that he has with his Father, is what empowers his healing miracles. I have the sense that healing is a lot more like running than breathing. Uh, it's like this. Breathing, you don't have to think about. You just do it. It just happens. You do it when you're asleep. Breathing is just a natural process. It just comes out. Running is something you have to think to do. Uh, I often think not to do it. But you have to think to do it if you're going to do it. And after you run, you have to take time to recuperate. Some of you run a lot, and it doesn't take you that long to recuperate. Some of us don't run very much, and if we do, it's because someone is chasing us, and then it takes a really long time to recuperate. Right? Running takes that recharging time, unlike breathing. I think Jesus' healings were more like running than breathing. And I think his time alone in the presence of God was what empowered his healings. He often went off to pray by himself. The disciples come looking for him, and he has gotten up before the sun. He's gotten up in the darkness and gone off to a solitary place to pray. See, what I think is what's going on in Jesus' life is what's going to go on in the, in the auto industry in our country in the coming years. This is the way it looks like it's going. Before too long, all of us are going to drive our 
cars home at the end of the day and plug them in. It seems like the electric vehicle is here and that's the way a lot of the auto industry is going. Well, imagine this. Imagine you have a teenager who's learning how to drive. It's a terrible experience, I can tell you firsthand. And the teenager, let's say, takes your electric vehicle out, drives it around all over the place, pulls it in the garage, and then forgets to plug it in. When you go out in the morning, you're not going anywhere because you haven't recharged. And I have the feeling that the spiritual life is like that. Time alone with God is electricity, and prayer is plugging in. If we don't recharge, we are not empowered. And I think Jesus tells people, now, now don't go tell, because he doesn't want his prayer life interrupted. He needs time alone with the Father to pray. Look at verse 40. Again, another healing miracle. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. What happens here? Jesus heals an incurable disease, and healings are like Pringles, but you can't do just one. And now he's mobbed. That's why he tried to keep it on the QT. Now he can't go into towns anymore. This is changing the context of his ministry, and I think that's why he said, hush, hush, so much. He, he, he wants to be free to go about his ministry, and he wants time alone with his father in prayer. That's how he recharges day in and day out. The heart of this passage is a conditional sentence. If then, if you are willing, then I will be healed. And Jesus satisfies the antecedent, the if part of the sentence. Jesus concludes the if part of the sentence once and for all. If you are willing, then I can be healed. Jesus is indignant. If I'm willing, there's even a moment later on in the, in the stories of Jesus where uh, a father comes to Jesus and says, if you want to, you could heal my son. And Jesus goes, if. Jesus satisfies the, the if part of the sentence once and for all. It's an if-then statement. And Jesus makes the logical structure work in a way that you philosophy majors will understand this, like a syllogism. A syllogism is the structure of a logical argument that often goes like this. Proposition number one. If A is true, then B is true. Proposition number two. A is true. Conclusion, then B is true. I'll tell you in real simple terms. You'll understand why I'm doing this. Real simple terms. Uh, Proposition one. If it's raining, then I will carry an umbrella. Proposition number two. It is raining. Conclusion, then I will carry an umbrella. That's how it works. I'll give you another one. Proposition number one. If the pastor gets boring, I'm going to zone out. Proposition number two. Pastor's getting boring. Conclusion. Wait, what'd you say? So that's a syllogism. There's a syllogism in this passage. If you are willing, then I can be healed. Proposition number two from Jesus. If I'm willing, 
Of course I'm willing. I love you. I came to walk the earth so that you would know me. I, I descended into the humility of human form and will even go to the cross to die for you. What more must he do to show us? If I am willing, yes, I'm willing. The if part of the sentence is satisfied once and for all. Then he will be healed. What I love about Jesus is that I see in him a kind of love and power that I don't see anywhere else in the world. This man's physical problem is leprosy. His spiritual problem is an iffy faith. If God is willing. And a lot of us grew up on an iffy Christianity. If God is willing. A lot of us grew up on all kinds of iffiness in our faith. If God is willing, then I could pray for somebody to be healed. If God uh, wanted to, then maybe I could find the job that I need. If God is even there, then dot, dot, dot. We have made of modern Christianity a domesticated house cat. We have made a domesticated house cat out of what used to be a lion. Centuries ago, there were lions wandering the earth. They just roam around everywhere. And we took the smallest and weakest version of the species and bred it over and over again until it could barely take care of itself, and now we keep it as a pet. Centuries ago, Christianity roamed the earth. And we have taken the smallest and weakest version of the species and bred it over and over again until it could barely take care of itself, and now we keep it as a pet. Do you want an iffy Christianity, or do you want a lion? Because in Jesus, I see a kind of love and power that I don't see anywhere else. And he wanted to pass it on. He wants to share that love and that power. He taught his disciples to carry it on, and he wants to teach it to us today. There's, a, there's a, another passage in Mark chapter 9 where a guy has an iffy faith. Uh, uh, the disciples uh, are trying to heal this boy, and they cannot heal him. And so the man... Uh, the boy's father goes to Jesus and says, if you can do anything, please help. And Jesus says, if, I, I love you. If, everything is possible for those who believe. Right? If is satisfied in Jesus. What I like about Jesus is I see a kind of power and love that he wants to pass on. And we know that's what he did. Because Jesus ascends into heaven and then in the book of Acts, the disciples go everywhere healing the sick, causing paralytics to walk and raising the dead. We know from history books, extra biblical material, that John, the disciple of Jesus, mentored and discipled a guy named Polycarp. You can read about Polycarp's martyrdom uh, in the history books. You can look it up online. There's a story that captured Polycarp's martyrdom. Polycarp, we know from the history books, trained a guy named Irenaeus. And Irenaeus was one of the great writers and leaders of the early church. We have records of some of the things that Irenaeus wrote. And one of the things he did was to describe what was going on in the ministry of the Christians in what would have been the third generation after Jesus. John taught Polycarp taught Irenaeus. In the third generation after Jesus, Irenaeus wrote this, describing the Christians of his day. For some Christians drive out demons effectually and truly so that those who have been cleansed from evil spirits frequently believe and unite with the church. Others have a foreknowledge of future events and visions and prophetic revelations. 
Still others heal the sick by the laying on of hands and restore them to health. And, as we have said, even dead persons have been raised and remained with us many years. The power and love that we see in Jesus was something that he wanted to pass on. And Mark chapter 16 says, these are the signs that will follow the believers. Wherever they go, they'll do the things that Jesus was doing. Not with a kitty cat kind of faith, with a lion kind of faith. Not with an iffy faith, but with an empowered faith that knows that Jesus has satisfied the if question. I am willing, I love you. There's one ingredient that runs through empowered faith, the stories of empowered faith that we see throughout history. And that is time alone with God in prayer. It is time to recharge the battery so as to live within the will of God and by the power of God, demonstrating God's love everywhere we go. Empowered Christianity comes from time spent alone with the Father. If you don't recharge, you're not going anywhere in the morning. Uh, Empowered Christianity uh, is not something that takes more work on our part. It takes more time. It takes more time with Jesus. Empowered Christianity is like this. Um, As a pastor, I've sent mission teams out to different countries in the world, and one thing that mission teams have sometimes done is to go in and dig wells so that uh, a little village somewhere can provide water for itself. And this is a great gift to a a village when they develop a a, a source of water. Um, And there's a way that pumps work when you dig a well and you put a pump in the ground so that they can get water out of it. You've probably seen these old-fashioned pumps that people used to use where you'd have to crank the water over and over again and it forced air down that brings water up, and it was a lot of work. And every time you wanted water out of the ground, you'd have to go and work the pump, and it was, it was kind of an upper-body workout, and that's how you would get water. Think about the difference between one of those manual pumps and a natural spring where water just bubbles up out of the ground. The spring doesn't require any work at all. It just overflows. In fact, you can't really stop it. It's just coming up. Empowered Christianity is like that. It's like the spring, not the pump. Empowered Christianity comes when we spend time in the presence of God and let him pass on the love and the power that he wants to give us. Don't ask if, yes, I am willing, I want to give it to you. And when we, when we spend time in his presence, he passes on those gifts of love and power that he has for us. So I'm going to give you a, a homework assignment for this week. Um, I want you to spend time in prayer this week, and then I want you to go and bless whomever God tells you to bless. Spend time alone with God and ask him to show you what he wants to do in your life. Pray for someone who's sick and then go and command healing. Pray for someone who needs their daily bread, and then go and multiply loaves. Pray for someone who needs to know Jesus, and then go and tell them about Jesus. And I'll tell you what's going to happen to our church when we all do that together. There's a description of it in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. May it be so with us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your love and your power. Uh, I thank you that in you uh, we see those things in ways that we see them nowhere else. Teach us to trust in your love, so much so that we never again say if. Teach us to trust in your power, so much so that we live it out. Jesus, teach us to rest in the love and forgiveness we see in the cross and the new life we see in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.